Welcome to Detour to Neverland, where you are the author of your own Disney story. There's a lot of satisfaction in developing ideas into realities. And you can find magic in your everyday life. If you do what you really want to do, you feel like you're playing. How can you write your first chapter today? Dreams are how we figure out where we want to go. Life is how we get there. I'm headed this way. We're your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 261. Today's episode is a conversation that we've wanted to have for a while now. We were waiting to experience Universal a little bit more, and this past week of spring break really afforded us that opportunity since all of the Disney reservations were taken. We spent two almost full days there. Full for us. Yeah. And so now we feel like we can have this conversation about our experiences in the parks in Orlando, maybe what you can expect if you are coming down later this spring or in the summer. Yeah, I think it's important to mention it's our, you know, opinions, just things that we've experienced, our likes, our dislikes, just our, you know, what we've seen, basically. And then it just kind of allows you, if you're planning a vacation, if you're just looking you know, towards the future and what to expect, it maybe gives you a little bit of insight. So before we move on, I wanted to mention our sponsor for this episode, Hannah Little with Creating Magic Vacations. If you're wanting to go to Disney World, Disneyland, Universal, anything that it might be, you can go to littlebitofdisney.com, fill out her quote form. She'll be in touch with you very quickly and help you plan that fantastic trip for your family. Her services are completely free to use, and she will help you making dining reservations, creating a customized daily itinerary, and more. So you can go to a little bit of Disney to learn more about her services and to request a free quote. Also look down in our show notes where we will have a link there for you to go check it out. Maybe you can cross our fingers, maybe some Disney Cruise Line stuff in the future. Ooh, that would be super exciting. I don't know if I'm ready to cruise yet, to be honest, but maybe. In the future. We're we're always looking forward. So we want to preface this a little bit. And Catherine, you kind of mentioned it beforehand as well. This episode is pretty much going to be entirely opinion based. And we hope that through the past 260 episodes, however many of those that you've been with us for, you understand where we come from on a lot of things. Hopefully we've built up a little bit of rapport would be, you know, (laughs) my goal. Hopefully we're not too foolish, but we are going to share things that we think are going right right now and things that are maybe could use some improvement or, you know, just along those lines. We're not necessarily going to be Universal versus Disney in this episode. I don't think that's a very worthwhile conversation because so many of us are firmly planted on one side of the fence. Like we are firmly planted on the Disney side of the fence. There's nothing that anybody could say that would make us switch. But we have gotten a deeper appreciation for Universal since we've lived here. I mean, some of the most fun that we had this past week on spring break was at Universal. So there, are, there's definitely a conversation to be had here is basically what we're trying to get at. So we're going to try to point out our biases along the way as we find them. We're kind of approaching this that this is just how we visit the parks right now. It's not necessarily the right way. It's not better than anybody else's way. This is just how we are doing it. And these are the things that are working and not working for us. Totally. So let's start this out. During this time period. I think it has changed so much from last June and July from how the parks feel mostly. Are there any parks that you think now I'm talking about all six across Orlando? I'm sorry. We're leaving out SeaWorld and Legoland. Fun spot. Fun spot America. Both locations. Yeah. Can't speak to those. Those are conversations for a different day. (laughs) Maybe after we've experienced them. But just like we talk a lot about the feeling of the parks. Are there any that feel especially better than the others right now? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I feel like I still get the same 
kind of excitement. Like when I go to Magic Kingdom, you know, still that same kind of giddy, like I'm excited to see the castle as far as feeling. Um, I don't know. I feel like Universal does a good job of trying to really pump you up before getting into the parks. Like if you walk through City Walk is what I'm thinking of. You know, like they have people standing around with like a microphone basically like trying to hype you up for your day and, you know, all of those things. So I feel like that is maybe inserting a little bit more of like a buzz and an excitement there. But I don't know if I would say that that's more like magical or anything like that. I do think Magic Kingdom feels the most like it used to. And I hate to always compare it to what it was used to because not to be a Debbie Downer, I don't think we're going to get back to that point in so long. Like I just want to look forward and think about how can they enhance our experience to the best it possibly can without necessarily comparing it to the olden days. (laughs) But I do think magic kingdom gives you that feeling definitely right now. And I, you know, the other ones may be Hollywood to a certain extent. I was actually going to say Hollywood Studios. Now, it's Hollywood has kind of, it's a Jekyll and Hyde, I feel like. Some days you go there and it is a rock star. And some days you go and it is impossible to do anything. And I mean, that's just the risk you run in a smaller park. I mean, I feel like it's safe to say out of all four Disney parks, I mean, wouldn't you say that maybe there's the least amount to do there, depending on who you're traveling with? If you have kids, then definitely. You know, age ranges and everything like that. I mean, they're they're trying very hard right now with the Frozen show. I feel like they brought that back. So there's like something that's kind of like a time eater for all ages. But I do feel like there's still like an excitement and a buzz with Hollywood Studios, just because so many things are new there. Still, I mean, I would still say a majority of Disney's new things are in that one park. What do you think about Epcot right now? I mean, we've said it before. We're not the biggest Epcot people. I think I'm excited to go and really try to experience Flower and Garden because we do enjoy the food Um, and the topiaries and the things that they have to offer there. But at the same time, that's the one where when we're looking at reservations, that's usually the one that we can get. Now, last week we couldn't get it at all. We couldn't get anything. But typically that's the one that we can get. And sometimes it's the one that we'll like look over or pass up just because it is a lot of walking for us and a lot of spending money to like do things. That's the problem I have with it is that we've really tried to knock down our budget and it seems like at Epcot, you almost, now I want to be careful. You don't have to, but to have the typical Epcot day that we do, you have to spend a lot of money. And so we view it almost now as we can't afford to go to Epcot (laughs) because we're going to want a moonshine sour. We're going to want to try some of the festival food. By the time it's all said and done, it's $60, $70, $80 or even more. Whereas we go, like today, we went to Magic Kingdom. We didn't spend a single dollar. Which pat on the backs to us because that's saying a lot. Now, don't tell Disney that because that's the last thing they want from annual pass holders. But that for us being very budget conscious now being local, which we it's been a slow climb for us to get to this point. Well, yeah, it peaked, which is why we're having to backtrack a little bit. Yeah, we had some <laughs> some realizations. Some hard conversations. But luckily, we saw it. Animal Kingdom, I still feel the magic in Animal Kingdom to a certain extent. We're going to talk about entertainment a little bit later in the episode, but I think there's still that buzz around Africa, but there's other areas that don't necessarily have the buzz that you would want. I do think that characters also play a large role in that. Again, I know that's something we're going to discuss in a few minutes, but I'm just trying to set this ground stage for 
what feels good to us right now. Like, where are we really yearning to go? Always Magic Kingdom. I think Magic Kingdom is number one. I would say Animal Kingdom's like middle of the road. Mm-hmm. Part of that is the hours. They There's no other way to say it. They stink. Eight to five on normal days. It was open eight to eight today for spring break weekend. But eight to five is just not acceptable for us as locals. We it's can hard never to do. we can never go on a weekday. No. And on weekends, a lot of times that's when we can't get the reservations unless we plan further out. But yeah, I think I still every time we leave Magic Kingdom, I feel very fulfilled. Like I I felt it. Well, there's just, there's plenty for us to choose from. You know, if Pirates is an hour and we don't want to do Pirates, we'll just meander around until we find a ride, like a line that looks better, you know, and we still feel like successful. You know, we still got to do something, which is always just like our goal. Like, what can we do? You know, we don't really go with an agenda typically. And that's almost the way that we started approaching Universal too, which I think has helped us a lot. As far as just feeling accomplished, I guess that's the right word with our day. So this is where I think we need to point out one of our biases is that with Universal and Islands of Adventure, everything is still so new to us that everything excites us. Oh, yeah. That you don't necessarily get that feeling as much in Disney. So that's where we are coming at this from maybe a different standpoint than you are as the listener Maybe you're a universal veteran, or maybe you've never been there before at all, and you're considering going in the future. That newness is a very strange feeling for theme park goers like us. Who would consider ourselves to be, I mean, almost experts, I guess, in Disney. You know, we know what to expect. We know we can take one look at a line and pretty much guess fairly accurately what the weight type is going to be. We should do that sometime. We should start make, making bets. Um, but at Universal, it's like a whole new ballpark. You know, it's something new for us to learn. There are still rides that we've never done, which is super exciting. Things that we still have on our to-do list for like the summer that we've never experienced. And we just don't get that at Disney. Like that same kind of high of like, ah, oh, what are we going to do today? It's new. Yeah, and so that's a really refreshing part of it, I think, as well. And I think, you know, that leads me to say that this is kind of how I was going to end the conversation, but I'll go ahead and say it now. I think a lot of people ask us, we get this question all the time, and look, we do not give vacation tips. Like, that is not something that we necessarily excel in. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not our space that we are are too great and we're not your guys's go-to resource probably in planning your vacation. If you are, you probably go to like the same three spots that we go to. But anyway, I digress. And I think that if you're ever thinking about going to Universal, if you're a Disney person through and through, I think now is the time to do it because it is a completely different feeling over there right now. I'm not necessarily saying it's better or it's worse. I'm just saying that you're going to feel something completely different than you do at any of the four Disney parks. Would you agree with that? I would think that that's true. Yeah. And we can get into the specifics of why we feel that way. But I just think I want to go ahead and start it out that way of saying that. So we broke this into a couple different categories as far as when we are looking at both Universal and Disney, we kind of broke it into how do we feel about food, attraction lines, entertainment, just overall safety, I guess you could say. And I guess let's start with food because this is something now that we are trying to be a little more budget friendly. I feel like if I'm going to eat something in a theme park, it better be good. I feel pretty confident in saying both the food is not great right now. I would agree. <laughs> I think. Cause, and again, we're creatures of habit. They've taken away a lot of our favorite things, unfortunately, in Disney. So if you just look at Magic Kingdom right now, no Casey's Corner, 
no Harbor House. Tomorrowland Terrace has been turned into Harbor House, so I guess you can kind of say it's there, but it's not the same when you're getting that food not in Harbor House. Because <laughs> Harbor House, more than anything, is the location. But anyway. The seating, yeah. A lot of the carts are not running. Um, you can still get the cheeseburger and the pizza egg rolls. Those just returned like this week for anybody who's been wondering when they will return. They yeah, had we just them. saw them today. They had them. They took them away. Now they brought them back. But I think that's just an example of that. We don't like cosmic rays, unfortunately. But we've eaten there how many times in the past eight months? More, more time, than I'd like. More than I would like to. More admit times to. than in the past five years, probably. Oh, absolutely. And I think just your limit on options like that is it kind of puts a damper on your day. Well, because we do have to, if we are trying to spend like a whole day in a park, you know, we have to stop what we're doing and really ask ourselves, okay, are we just going to try to snack? Like, are we going to get some popcorn? Are we going to try to make a meal? Like, is it worth it? Do we even really want to eat this? And it's just kind of strange, you know, like that's never been a topic of conversation that we've had at Disney Park before. Like, oh, man, like, what are we going to have to eat? Like, what a bummer, (laughs) which is sad because we love Disney food. Like, we're the first to say, like, we eat a lot. Obviously, that's why we're trying to cut our budget back a little bit. And it's unfortunate that we feel like when we go to the parks, it's almost like, okay, as soon as we get hungry – well, it's time to leave now because we don't want any of this food. And there's two other examples that I want to bring up. Hollywood Studios is even worse. Like, we love Woody's Lunchbox. So does everybody else. And so for mobile ordering, unless you hit it, like, basically right at 1030 when they start accepting lunch orders, you don't get it for that day. And then they close it for dinner. So at, And they're not open for breakfast either. I think correct? they are on select days. Oh, Okay. We've, we haven't had it yet for breakfast. I have seen some other people get it for breakfast. So then you're left with Docking Bay 7, which is okay. We've eaten there a couple times. I don't complain about Docking Bay 7. You don't like it as much as me. Backlot Express or ABC Commissary. Or like the Rosie's All-American Diner. Those mm-hmm. like smaller locations. Yeah. And like you said, it, it it does just put an extra anxiety level into your day that is – and Pizza Rizzo. Sorry, I can't disrespect Pizza Rizzo. <laughs> it puts an extra level of anxiety into your day that I think is completely unnecessary. Yeah. Now, there are certain things that I completely agree with. We've been told that Casey's Corner is not opening because their kitchen is too small for the chefs to properly physical distance. Like – like, you can't argue with that. I, like, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Makes Don't sense. Don't want to put any cast members in harm's way for some corn dog nuggets, which you can get those in Frontierland now. But there's other things. Like, it's just a shame that Harbor House, I don't even know when it's going to open because it's now being used for Peter Pan Q. I which can't is even, so strange. I can't even begin to think of when it will honestly open. Because of that issue. Now, before that, they were using it for a cast member break area, which, again, I fully support that decision as well, because they needed more room for the cast members to spread out when they were on break. 100% okay. fine. But when you start using it for an attraction queue, it's a little tougher pill to swallow. It is. And, you know, we kind of think the same thing when we talk about universal food. Now, we haven't gotten to explore that food near as much as far as like what's in the parks but what we have had is we've eaten at the three broomsticks and um that's the one in hogsmeade and islands of adventure which was excellent but what we ran into our friends this past weekend also ran into also which was it's supposed to be a quick service restaurant and we probably spent over an hour in there between you know you have to wait outside for a table which again, we can support. You don't want to be like stuck in there wandering around looking for something that's the worst. I think we can all agree on that. But you have to wait for your table. You get seated. 
um, a cast member. They don't call them cast members there, but team members, a team member has to come and like get your mobile order. And then they have to go back and it takes forever for them to come back to you. And it happened to us twice and it happened to our friends. And so it's definitely a trend at this point. At first, if it was once just like us, I would maybe just accept it. Like we just had bad luck. We, we go on weekends normally. So yeah, I would say that's our fault. But I, I think this is a, a trend. It's just, it was very backed up. And again, maybe there are some other things behind the scenes that we weren't aware of, but it was kind of a bummer to have to spend so much of your day in a quick service restaurant. But the food was excellent. So all this is to say, the best place to eat without a doubt is Epcot. Most options, especially when the festivals are going on, you can always get into Regal Eagle <laughs> if you want to. Or you you have to make a dining reservation at this oh, yeah. point. And unfortunately, again, those are kind of few and far between for a lot of these better restaurants that we would that justify the money that you would spend for it. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people are maybe discovering what we've discovered is just that if you want a good meal, like something guaranteed to hit the spot to be a hit with your whole family, you know, sometimes table service is just the way to go. And I also want to throw in Springs here and City Walk because we've had good luck eating at both of those locations as well. Yes. Now, especially right now, it's a little more difficult to leave the park and go to Springs and eat. Like it, I feel like you'd have to do it at the beginning of your day or at the end of your day. It's not necessarily something you can just like hop over, eat, and then go back to a park. Maybe somebody would want to do that. City Walk, you can definitely do that at Universal, though. And the good thing about City Walk is that especially for lunch, we were there on a... Is that a weekend? No, we were. it was a weekday. But the yeah, parks were at Tuesday. capacity, and we could have walked up to any restaurant in City Walk and gotten a table for lunch. Just because we went a little bit earlier, and that's just how it worked. We happened to have a reservation, but we certainly didn't need one. No, and, and by early, we mean like it was 11-something. 11.15 or so. Yeah, I mean, so maybe it just depends on when you woke up that morning or if you had a good breakfast. We usually don't eat breakfast. But even things that you used to really be able to depend on, like in Epcot, that you could walk to Boardwalk and go to Big River, or you could, you know, go to places like that. It's not, you know, because Big River is closed and because some of these other places are closed, it's not as easy as it once was. There's a lot, there's a lot more planning that has to go into a meal, which is not something that we are necessarily over the moon about no because we love especially now just kind of like going with the flow and just like seeing what happens and it just seems like food right now is something that we have had to like consciously think of a little bit more and not to say that there aren't still good options or you know that it's just impossible but it's it does feel a little harder than it once was last thing i want to mention on food is that a lot of these resorts, their food options are not great right now. Well, by not great, we just mean, again, very limited. A lot of their restaurants are closed. Um, we've experienced that. Like when your parents came down here, they stayed at Animal Kingdom Lodge. And I think the only place open was Sanaa. Sanaa to go. To, well, you could get a reservation. Okay. But as far as like eating just on a whim after the park, you know, something quick like that, they didn't have a lot of options. Which that's even a standpoint of like, that's a reason to stay at a pop century or an art of animation is just to have the food court, to have something that, you know, if you need it, it's there and you could get it. If you're there at Animal Kingdom Lodge, you're wiped out from the day and you need food and you don't necessarily want Sanaa, which has a pretty small menu. You're either door dashing or you're getting in the car and driving to Kissimmee, you know, just a few blocks away. People don't realize how close it is, but you're driving to Culver's or you're driving to Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Somewhere like that. So it's just, it's so different because we've always been used to 
you get into the Disney bubble, you stay in the Disney bubble. Like there's no reason to leave. And now there's just a lot, a lot more instances come up where there's reasons to leave. I feel like. Just having to branch out a little, which could or could not be a bad thing. Maybe you like to branch out and you want to go see what Orlando has to offer. This might be a really great time to do that. So next topic is about attraction lines. And I think most people, if you've been back or if you've been following along, you know that both Disney and Universal is inflating the wait times that you see pretty much every time. You're almost never going to wait how long they say you do. But the reason why they're inflating them is that if you get caught into a cleaning cycle, which is a good thing, you definitely want a clean ride vehicle if at all possible. But I would say 80% of the time, you're not going to wait as long as they post it. No. And I also think, you know, there is definitely that aspect to it too, where they're cleaning the ride vehicles and that's all good and well. But I also think it's, you know, we've seen them do this before at Disney where they don't want to make it too low or there's just like a mad rush of people. And with the socially distanced queues and with, you know, a lot of just the lines that they're having to kind of create, you know, if there's a huge influx of people, there's just literally nowhere for those people to go sometimes, which is the biggest conversation that I think we've had this week is just noticing the difference between the two parks and what those queue lines look like. So this is something that I, since we noticed it, and it just like clicked for me all of a sudden, is I kept thinking, I feel like there's more people per capita in Universal, but why don't I feel as congested as I do at Disney? And it clicked for me that it's because their queue lines do not extend out into the... Like the walkways. The walkways. Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. So the example I keep coming back to is Toy Story Land right now is one of the most congested areas that you can walk in any Disney park. And that's typical because, you know, even on a normal day, it's just small. Toy Story Land is just small. But if you add on top of that, you have Slinky Dog line coming down the right-hand side on that railway. And on the left-hand side, you have... Toy Story Mania. Now, Toy Story Mania regularly gets backed up all the way to the Joffreys, and they even sometimes push it back even further back into the Municiburg area, like where the old queue for Toy Story Mania used to be. Yeah. And then with Slinky Dog, we've seen it all the way to Star Wars Launch Bay. On a on a very busy day, yes. So it it if you think about it, you got people on both sides of that. You're supposed to stay six feet away from all of those people. How much walking space do you really have in those spaces as well as all the other people that you're walking with at the same time? Mm -hmm. And I think this is now my biggest quarrel. Is that a word? Quarrel? Yeah. Qualm? Is qualm a word? (laughs) I I believe so. (laughs) My biggest complaint, I guess we'll just call it what it is about Disney is that these lines are absolutely out of control. I don't know how to fix it. I honestly don't. I don't know how Universal had the forethought to make all these queues so long inside of the actual attractions. But I can't think of a single attraction at Universal where the line comes out into the public area. They we saw it like marked for Transformers where they had barricades up in case it reached that point. But from what we experienced, it never did. They were always able to keep it like under their awning that they have. And that wait was pretty long. I mean, I want to say it was like 70 minutes. I was going to say 90. It got up to be quite a bit. Um, So, yeah, it's almost like did they just from the very beginning, did they always have more key space inside? Are they being more creative? Something that we did see at Universal that we thought was interesting. At one point, we looked at their app to look at the wait times. And for like the flight of the hippogriff, it said not that the attraction was closed, but just that the line was closed. So 
you know, it's almost like they noticed that the line was getting too long and maybe that it was starting to spill over into the walkways. And they just said, okay, we're done. You know, if you want to ride this, you're going to have to come back later. And then eventually it did open back up, you know, and it said it on the app and everything. So it's just an, it's an interesting way of looking at it because, you know, at Disney, I don't know if they would ever tell you that you can't get in line. You know, that's not something that we've ever ex- experienced. And maybe it's just because they don't want to deal with that. You know, I can imagine that those cast members at Universal would probably get an earful if they had to tell a family that you can't get in line right now. But that's what they did. I do want to be fair. I We did. We have omitted one from this Universal discussion. Hagrid's always spills out into the public area, but they have basically just commandeered this entire area that it is part of Hagrid's every single day. And it's it's back in the old Sinbad arena is where a lot of it takes place mm-hmm. at the very beginning. So there are some points like right in front of the Hogwarts Express. It gets pretty bad there if you're trying to walk through that area. So look, we're not trying to say that Universal has it figured out, figured out, but I think they have it more figured out than Disney. It's not saying that you're doing better physical distancing at Universal, but I almost am saying that (laughs) in some ways. It just, it's nice to not feel like you are sardines, you know, and that's something that when you go to theme parks, just usually you can feel like that. I think everyone has seen the pictures from like, what was it, Christmas or something in Walt Disney World, like right there in front of It's a Small World. And it's literally just people packed in there. You know, when you go to a theme park, to a certain extent, you expect that. But it's nice, especially right now, it's nice all the time to know that you might get just a little more breathing room. And it feels like at Universal, because the queues are a little more contained, you have that, which we just always appreciate. We don't want to touch people. So this is where this comes in as to how we are doing the theme parks right now. We, above all else, the most important thing to us in all these situations is we want to be outside as much as possible. And if we are in an indoor space, we want to make sure that there are masks and there is physical distancing. So that's just kind of where we stand so that you have an understanding of what's important to us. So a lot of times when we're outside in these areas, if we get overwhelmed, not a big deal. We don't have any meltdowns, but we just (laughs) find the quickest way to give ourselves the space to make us feel better and to make us feel safer. And, you know, so we can continue on enjoying our day. It seems like at Universal, there's a lot more of those areas that you can pull off to and take a break and, you know, strategize on which direction we are going to go. Like you said, you get in between Small World and Peter Pan, you just got to keep your head down and keep. (laughs) And walk as fast as you can. We did that today, actually, because it was was pretty bad. And that's always been a bottleneck area. So that's not something new to this. But you add in these queues that are outside of their buildings, and it really... It throws in an extra wrench that I wish wasn't there. Yeah. The other part of this is that it really worries me about what are they going to do with these cues and how are they going to figure this out? Because there are so many examples of things that we want to be open, like Fantasmic, like Festival of the Lion King, which they said was going to open this summer. We'll see if it happens. Like Finding Nemo like all these things that have been overtaken by cues that I don't see any other option. Like I don't see any pathway where a lot of those things open because these cues aren't going anywhere. And, you know, the argument to that would be, well, if they were open, then some of those people could go to those attractions, you know? So there's definitely like a, a yin and a yang to all of this where yin and yang. I don't know (laughs) that there's there's two sides to it. You know, you would have to hope, well, you know, maybe if they open Festival of the Lion King, all of those people, you know, they're not going to be waiting in line for Flight of Passage. 
But you never know because they could also decide to increase the capacity. You know, like we don't know what they're thinking, especially for yin and yang. You were correct. Thank you. Sorry. Just wanted to let the record show that you were correct. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's always that debate and these are the things that we talk about, you know, in the car and when we're at the park is, Oh, what do you think this would look like? Or why do you think, you know, they're doing that? And of course we don't know, you know, we're not experts. Like we said, this is just kind of our thoughts on everything, but it's hard when you see it so busy to imagine, you know, well, if they did open it, where are they going to put all those people? Just logistics, you know. I'm honestly scared that they announced Festival of the Lion King coming back, but I don't. I am very nervous that that won't actually come to fruition. Which would be a total bummer for everybody. It, it yeah, I would. Um, I wish there was a word worse than bummer because <laughs> it would break my heart. Because I mean that's. That can lead into our next discussion. The entertainment, it it is sorely missed at this point. Because let's finish the talk on Festival of Lion King. That building and that queue is now being used for Kilimanjaro Safari sometimes and Flight of Passage. How do you? Those how are do you two fix, huge attractions. You, you can't fix both of them. I feel like it, it's always going to be an either and an or is going to need that space. And that still blows my mind that Flight of Passage can go that far. Because that's, I mean, that has a lot of queue when you think about it. You know, if you've ever walked through that queue, I mean, it goes on and on and on and then some more. So it is kind of overwhelming. But I agree, the entertainment. So when we think about entertainment, we're talking about the parades, the performances, obviously the night shows character interactions, any of that extra stuff, you know, that provides you entertainment, a little bit of magic, whatever you want to call it. At this point, you know, Disney's doing the cavalcades in the different parks, you know, with all the different styles that they do it. There are- My favorite's the flotillas in Animal Kingdom. Those are cute. I would, I hope they keep that forever. Because in Animal Kingdom, they don't have a parade. So it is- it feels extra in a way, you know, because it's something different. Whereas in Magic Kingdom, where you're used to a full like festival of fantasy, I do appreciate that the per- that the cavalcades are still like the floats and everything. Like it's not just them in a car, but it's not as grand, you know, if that's what you're looking for. And they don't have the stage shows and everything like that. So... I don't remember what I was trying to get to, but it's a lacking as far as just like extra things throughout your day. You know, you're having to depend a lot more on rides. Which leads me to say, like, we we were vocal about it when the parks first opened back up of saying, you know, hey, the short wait lines, they trump everything. Like, it's such a unique time. You know, if you feel safe, if you, you know, if you feel like this is something that you're interested in, then yes, we think if you've been to Disney before, this is a good time to come because the lines are short and you can accomplish literally everything. You can do Flight of Passage 20 times in one day if you really want to. Can't do Rise more than once, but, you know. But, you know. You can do Smuggler's Run as many times as you want. Now, with the lines being about the same levels that they've always been, you you start looking and saying, well, what's the what's the offer? Like, what's the extra stuff that I can do if I don't want to wait in lines? Because we've always, like, we joke about it, but we say, like, oh, we don't wait in lines over 20 minutes because we just don't have to because we'll come back and we'll get to do all the things that we want to do. But normally you would say, we're not going to wait in a 20-minute line, but we're going to go see this performer or see what characters we can find or, you know, just walk around and and see what things pop up, what entertainment options pop up. And you're just not getting much of that right now. And I think it's this, again, this is completely opinion based. I think it's starting to show. I think it's starting to hurt 
Well, and I think, so you used the word pop-up. I think that's something that we've mentioned a lot is that it is still very Disney. And this is something, you know, that people always discuss when they compare like Disneyland versus Disney World is Disney World is very planned out. It's very timed. It's structured. Yes. You know, you know exactly when this is going to happen. You know, if you're looking for characters in Walt Disney World, you're looking at the train station. You know, if you're looking for Dapper Dance, they're on the train station. It's very methodical. And a lot of that is because of social distancing. And again, you can't complain about that. I appreciate that. You know, everyone wants to stay safe and be distanced. But it's very, you know, this is what it is. If you're looking for the country bears, they're going to be up on their porch. That's where they are. And it's not surprising. It's not, you know, and maybe you're not going for a surprise on your vacation. Maybe you want to know exactly where they are so you can see them. But that's something that we have appreciated about Universal is that it is almost like a scavenger hunt. So it gives us that extra something to do when we don't want to wait in a line. Like we're just going to walk around Universal and we're just going to see what we see. And we ran into so many characters in like hidden like little alleyways, basically little spots that were back from everybody else, very distant. They had their attendants out there. They had their markers on the ground. You couldn't get close to them, but they're just there chilling or they've got their music going or they're doing, you know, whatever it is that they do. And it's just cool to kind of have like a scavenger hunt almost. And on top of that, on top of the characters, I think Universal is doing such a great job of bringing performers in as well. So right now they are doing their Mardi Gras celebration. It does only last for one more week. So I don't, a lot of you won't get to experience it, but next year, definitely go to their Mardi Gras celebration because it was awesome. It seems awesome. We didn't get to experience it to the fullest extent of what we wanted to, but there's jazz music playing, you know, there's performers, there's singers, there's people playing the trombone, you know, there's so many different They were things. throwing out beads from the floats that they had just parked all around. You got the Blues Brothers, you've got their version, and I'm sorry for bad comparison, their version of the Jaminators, which are like construction themed. They were awesome. So you just... Hey, it just it's it's a tighter space, so there's less room that you have to walk through. But it was literally every single turner, tor- turner, <laughs> every corner. single corner that we turned, there was a new entertainment offering. And again, this is where we're biased at Disney. We know where all of them are. I wish I could view it from a f- someone who hasn't been recently to to maybe we'd get that some excitement again you know when you walk up and you see chippendale on the frontierland bridge that's probably really exciting for most people and we still get excited just because we love chippendale but we know to look for them there we know to look for the country bears right next to them it's just kind of that's just how it is that's where you would see them Mm -hmm. i also think there's an element of that we saw the potential of what they could do at christmas and they scaled it back. Yes. And Christmas was amazing with, you know, all the extra things that they were doing with all the characters that they brought out. It was constant. Bam, bam, bam. All the time. It felt almost like how we're feeling about Universal right now. So it's like, you know that they're capable of doing it. Like, you know that like Peter Pan and Wendy are capable of coming back. And they're just gone again. And it's like, well, why'd they have to leave? They don't need a scarf right now. Just take off the scarf and come back and hang out with us, you know? Why? Yeah. So, basically, I think the biggest thing that was on my mind for wanting to have this conversation is, again, you guys ask us all the time, and we we so appreciate that you trust us enough to answer these questions of, should I come right now? Should I go to Universal right now? And all those conversations that take place. And I, my answer is still yes to both of them. Qualified as, if you feel like you know, you're not putting your 
safety at risk. And if you feel like it's something that would bring you joy, then yes, I would recommend coming right now. The one caveat I say is do not bring someone for their first time at Disney right now. I I don't think it I I would be I don't know what the right word is. I would be sad if this was someone's first taste of what it is. But for people like us who come regularly and you know even when we lived back in Tennessee and we came a couple times a year, I'd say yeah, you can come right now. Just set your expectations, understand that you have to take your safety into your own hand and go at it from that direction. And again, you have to almost treat it like you would a normal Disney vacation if you're coming now as far as it's not those super short wait times that you saw a few months ago. I mean, I unfortunately I hate to say it, you know, even just selfishly, but I think that's past us. I think when you come now, there are no fast passes, so you don't get that break necessarily. Like you have to be prepared to stand in line and you're still going to have to like talk with your group and prioritize, okay, this, this, and this, these are our things that we're going to do today for sure. And everything else is a bonus. And you need to plan your dining. And plan your dining for sure. A couple other topics that we wanted to talk about, and this is more like comparing the two now, which we have been for a little bit, but there are some things that we greatly prefer over the other. The Disney reservation system. I understand it's a pain in the butt. None of us like to deal with it. It it bit us in for the, us. It bit us in the butt last week. We wanted to spend all of spring break at Disney, but because we only have two reservations to play with now, because we've already reserved one for the fiftieth and Epcot fiftieth anniversary of Walt Disney World. It's not Epcot's fiftieth. I know, but anyway, <laughs> um. We couldn't go this week because we only had two to play with and we, we just grabbed couldn't get Sunday anything. and we only had, then we had one day to play with, a reservation to play with, and we couldn't get in at anything. However, there is, there's an extra sense, again, of pressure that you feel at Universal that you don't feel at Disney where you have to get there first thing in the morning or a lot of days now you are not getting in. No if, ands, or buts about it. And again, both of these situations are different. Like if if you're coming down on vacation and you're staying at the resorts, in both situations, you're pretty much guaranteed. I say not guaranteed. At Universal, you're guaranteed to get in. At Disney, it's a high, high likelihood that you're going to get to go where you want to go because uh. you're staying on property. I maybe wouldn't say you get to go where you want to go, but you'll at least get in somewhere is how I would say it. We don't know. We haven't stayed on property, but I don't know. If you feel confident, then it's go better with than it. It's better than our odds. I'll say that. That's correct. Where we're just, so that might be an incentive to stay on property right now if that's something that you want to do. But ultimately, I agree. If you're not a morning person or if you just don't like the anxiety of like, what am I getting into today? Which is what we feel a lot of when we go to Universal, you know, then the reservations, it's awesome. You know, it's nice to know this is what I'm doing today. No matter what I'm going to get in, you know, I can wake up and rope drop or I can sleep in a little and go at 11 o'clock and I'm going to get in. If you try to sleep in a little and go to Universal at 11 o'clock, you're not getting in. At least this past week when it was busy and it was spring break. And I, if I had to guess, summer is going to be the same way. That's probably a fair assumption. You know, you have to get there early. And I will say, from what we experienced with like the temperature checks and stuff, it was a lot better this past week at Universal. Because that whole situation gave us a lot of anxiety because if you think about Universal, you're all parking in one parking garage and then you're all being funneled to City Walk. And it's kind of like the wildebeest, just all, you know, moving as one big group. And it's very stressful. And this time it was so much better. So I don't know what they're doing differently or if anything they're doing differently. It might have honestly just been the time that we got there. 
So go early would be our recommendation for Universal. And that's when we can get the most stuff done, too, because it's the least crowded. Yeah. So again, we don't like the reservation system as much as anybody. But if you think of the... The trade-off. The trade-off or the alternative, it has to be there. I just don't see another way. I mean, can you imagine parking at the TTC, riding the ferry or the monorail over, and then being told that it's at capacity and you can't get in? It would be a nightmare. Oh, yeah. It's completely devastating. And that's what you see a lot of time at Universal. You, they have a literal standby line where people are standing in line waiting to get in the park and waiting for people to leave. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. Absolutely crazy. The last thing, and this is probably my hottest take, so take it for what it's worth. I think we talked a little bit about kind of how we're approaching these things. Being outside is one of the most important things for us. And I'm probably going to say this harsher than maybe, Catherine, you're, you want me to or how you feel. But to me, there's just no other way of saying it. I, I do still believe this cliche saying that everybody's saying now of, well, the theme parks are safer than Publix or Walmart. I do still agree with that statement. Um, I don't really like that statement, though, because you're talking about two completely different things. Like, it's, I think it's apples and oranges. Like, they don't need to be compared to each other. However, my point is, Disney and Universal, I, they just don't care about physical distancing anymore. So, my Disney way of saying it is, they've taken a big step back from what we've seen. You know, at the very beginning, we saw a lot of enforcement. We saw a lot of, like, if you think about Disney, it was like the yellow shirts. You know, I don't know what their Incredicrew. Their cute name is the Incredicrew. They were out, they were about, they were on the ferries, they were in the lines, they were, you know, on every street, you know, talking to people. They have their little signs, you know, the whole nine yards. And it's just like slowly everything has been peeled back. And it's almost I mean, it's like anything else. It's just kind of like you are going and you have to do what's best for you. And you just have to hope that the people around you feel the same way that you do and that they are going to follow the rules because it's not like there's no enforcement, but in both situations, they, their bark is worse than their bite. They talk a lot about like, you will be forced to leave, you know, that whole thing the signs and everything that you see now. There's not a lot of pushback on that. I will say I do still think they are just as strict on masks. Like, I don't necessarily think they've let up on the mask portion of this. I think they've specifically slipped in the physical distancing. Would you agree with that? I I mean, I would. So... I think that part's good. Like both sides you get it's on it's funny how they do it in a different way of enforcing the masks at both parks. Um, you know, Disney because they have sort of the stigma of you know being so polite and the guest is always right and you know this kind of stuff. They do they are stern, but they have a much different way of saying it. Universal, I love it because they are snippy. Like or they're sassy. Which, They've got some sass to them. Which, hey, I I love it. Now, that's not saying if you go and, you know, you happen to make a mistake, they're not going to ridicule you. But they make it known, like, masks are required. You don't have another option. I think my biggest problem is, is that they, in the parks now, you're continually being put into situations where you cannot physical distance. There are no other options. We try to take it into our own hands the best we can. Like a good example that I always think of is when they are unloading the ferry boats at Magic Kingdom. They just open the gate and let people go. You can't really stop because then, you know, there's people behind you that are depending on you to get out. Mm -hmm. 
you can, so really your only option is to go as far as you can until you see a little pull off and then wait for the crowd to pass you. But there's nobody there saying, this group, go, this group, go, this group, go. It's open, free for all. And they kind of continually, increasingly have been putting us in situations like that that are not fun to be a part of. Well, and it's like, and then people's instincts kick in for like when you're at a Disney park and, you know, it's just natural. Like you're in those situations that you're fast walking, you're trying to like beat the other people to the entry and you get like that adrenaline of, oh, we have to go, you know, there's somewhere I have to be. And, you know, it's just like the Disney vacation mindset. Whereas, you know, at one point in time, it was a you have to stay six feet away from everybody mindset. So, you know, what we do now is we're just always like the last one to leave, basically. Same thing with rides. We wait for the other people in front of us to all leave first, and then we'll go. Just because, kind of like we said, if not, you're in like a wildebeest herd type of thing. And it's just everybody's Disney instinct kicks in. I mean, I think that's all it is. Obviously, no one's being malicious or anything, but it's just you're funneled off to your next spot. Go. I will say when the parks first opened, you almost didn't have to worry too much about getting in lines and people not respecting the lines. It felt like the... the uh, the number of people creeping up past the lines has increased a lot and other people have probably had different experiences, but we have not had any cast or team team members step in and say, you're not standing where you need to be standing. And it's just one of those situations where, look, you guys can probably tell through the podcast, we're pretty non-confrontational. We d- we're not going to be like looking for any problems. So a lot of times we just grin and bear it when someone is standing too close to you. And that's when you just wish that someone else would step in and say, this is your line. This is your line. This is your line. That's where you're supposed to stand. You don't go forward until the other group goes forward. So again, I don't want to be over overly complainy, but it is, it, it wears on you. And it makes you not want to ride as many attractions. And that brings me back to the original point, like entertainment has to come back. I mean, it would just be, it would be so different with entertainment and it would bring, you know, a lot of those things that so many of us love and ideally like what it usually serves the purpose of, I feel like is it allows more people to be in more places. So you get to just kind of naturally spread out without having to Think about it. Like, you know, if Beauty and the, let's just say the Beauty and the Beast show was open at Hollywood Studios, there'd be no other options than to physical distance because they're assigning you seats that are already spread out. We would be much more inclined to do something like that rather than get into a line for, for something that was long and potentially had people around us that weren't respecting those roles. So I think that's just, there's, there just need to be more alternatives and it's, we're not going to stop going to Disney. We still love it. We still love going to universal, but it does start to wear on you as far as, you know, I, we, we need, we need some other options here. Yeah, I mean, because it's just hard to be in that situation and know, like, there's only so much you can control. And I think, you know, that's something that you need to be aware of when you really go anywhere, especially when you come down to the parks for a vacation, is you can only control what you can control. And, you know, after doing that for so long, you know, it can be a little daunting. Like, okay, do I really want to, you know, do this right now? You know, I might just want a break. I might want to go do something else. And it would be so fun to have a show or, you know, to have more options for character interactions. You know, obviously not like a typical meet and greet, but something, you know, or more cavalcades. Like bring bring in some more things. Switch it up a little. 
you know, I think that was something that we were excited for after Christmas was, oh, you know, they did all this for Christmas. What is that going to mean after, you know, what are they going to bring out next? What can they give us? And the best part about Christmas is that safety was not jeopardized for any of the stuff that they were doing. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was still the same thing. And I think because those cavalcades came around so much, you know, it didn't even draw like a huge crowd, you know, because if you didn't catch it this time, you'll see the next one kind of thing. So something food for thought if we were in charge. (laughs) So let's end this on a positive note. What has been like your favorite thing that we've done in both theme parks over the past couple weeks? Oh, gosh. Um, Some of my favorite things at Universal, since that's fresh on the mind, I loved their, what do they call that, tribute store? Ooh, yes. We have never been in a tribute store before. So basically what it is for each of their holiday or events, events, they have a gift store that they go all out for. They theme it out perfectly to match what it is. So because it's Mardi Gras and Carnival right now, it was basically like New Orleans themed. I mean, that's what it made me think of. So there was like a voodoo room. There was a swamp room. There was a jazz room. A pirate's room. A pirate's room. It was incredible. And I know that's something that they do for Halloween. We didn't get a chance to go into the Halloween tribute store. So if you are yelling at us now, it'd be an appropriate time to yell at us because we missed out on that. And the Christmas one. And yeah, and I'm sure they were just awesome, but we never made it a priority. So I think like that is the level of detail that we love about Disney. That was super cool to have that in a gift store. Of all places. And again, you don't have to buy anything to completely and thoroughly enjoy it. And when we went, it was empty every time we walked through there, which was cool. And I know that's not always the case. I know sometimes they get super long lines. Um, So we loved that. Um, I also just loved all the characters at Universal. I mean, we saw literally everyone that you can think of. But who was the best? Squidward. Squidward was 100% the best. We saw him twice. Talk about sass. Both times he was amazing. If you ever want to see Squidward lose it, you know, tell him, we're all here to see you. Kind of the same shtick that you play with Donald, like Donald's number one. Mm -hmm. Play that same card with Squidward and he eats it up. He does. He loved it. So that was super cool. Um, Let's think in Disney... I can go ahead and answer Universal if you want me, if you want to think about Disney for a second. Okay, go ahead. And I am in love with the E.T. ride at Universal. I think I dreamed about it last night. (laughs) It was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had in my entire life. And I don't think I've seen E.T. in 15 years. It It was was a good ride. From the ride vehicles to the smells, which you didn't like the smell, but I love the smell. I hated the smell. There's something wrong with your nose. I love the smell. To the song at the end, to the picture of Jim Henson at the very beginning, I mean, it was top notch from beginning to end. And I know it's old. I know it's dated. I don't care. It was like a mix between pirates. I said- For the smells? Well, I think like the animatronics. Oh, okay. Pirates. Little Mermaid, the dark ride. I always get it mixed up. I want to say Voyage of the Little Mermaid, but that's not correct. That's the one in Hollywood. Anyway, the Ariel mm-hmm. dark ride and Peter Pan. And it was so good. It was a cute ride. It's better than cute. Oh, I'm sorry. My apologies. <laughs> Magnificent. Um, I'm trying to think. At Disney then... I mean, I enjoyed, so this is probably silly. We rode the Barnstormer today, but we got to see Tron. I haven't been that close to Tron, so it was fun for me to see that. Just like whenever we go to Universal, we always try to go sneak a peek at the Velocicoaster. So it's fun to 
you know, try to peek out what's coming next. So I liked that. Um, we saw the princesses, which is always a good time. And I mean, just all the rides. I feel like, what more can you say? We did Big Thunder Mountain. That was awesome. I really like seeing the gorillas on Gorilla Falls Trail. Oh, yeah. They almost had like a new viewing spot, we thought. It's right when you get off of Kilimanjaro. It's almost like they cleared a little path for a new viewing area, it seems like. Yeah. Or maybe it's just never been open before when we've been there. Or maybe we've always walked right by it. Who knows? But that was cool. They were two big male silverback gorillas. I don't think it was Gino. Gino is like the patriarch of the gorilla family there. If you've watched uh, Magic of Disney's Animal Kingdom on Disney+, Plus, then you know all about Gino. I don't think they were him. I think they were some of his sons. Big, big sons. They're big. Yeah, they were big guys. They were eating some leaves. It was so funny. Like they had the whole branch and they just put it on their lips and then just tug it. And then all of the leaves would rip off and fall into their mouth. It was almost like if you watch like an old cartoon of like eating corn, you know, just like in one quick sweep, you know, and then it was gone. And on to the next one. Yeah. We think we should have asked. We think when we were in the Animal Kingdom parking lot, we heard the lion roar. It was very loud. We heard it twice. And we could not think of anything else that it could have been. So we're convinced, which would be awesome. So I think that's about wraps it up. I know this is a completely different episode than we normally throw at you guys. It's a lot more opinion based. I hope we weren't too negative for you. If you, if we were, I apologize, but it's kind of our opinions and it's some, it's a conversation that we've been wanting to have for a while. We'll be back to our normal storytelling episode starting on Thursday, and that will be on flight of passage, which will be fun. That's, that's not the newest ride that we've done. Cause we did do runaway railway. But, I mean, that's a new one, and it's an impressive one, for sure. An emotional one. That, too. So, before we log off, we want to remind you that if you are looking for a way to help out the podcast, the absolute best way to do that is to leave us an iTunes review. It helps the show grow. It helps suggest it to other Apple listeners who are listening to Disney Podcasts. And absolutely, we would truly appreciate if you can do that. Also, don't forget that if you're looking for a free quote on a Disney World or Disneyland or any other type of vacation as well, make sure you go to littlebitofdisney.com with Hannah, and her link will also be in our show notes below. Just go over there, get a quote. What's the worst that could happen? Maybe you'll end up booking your next adventure. That's always our motto. So thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Let us know your thoughts, things that are working for you or not working for you if you've been to the parks or things that you're looking forward to if you're coming later this spring or in the summer or next fall. Or if you're looking for advice, I don't know if you want it from us, but we're always an open book. So thank you so much for listening. We will chat with you on Thursday. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Make sure you subscribe and leave us an iTunes review if you enjoyed the show. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland or visit DetourToNeverland.com. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day. See you real soon.